everyone, and welcome to the Modern Cotton Story, sponsored by E3 Sustainable Cotton. I'm Jennifer Crumpler, Fiber Development Manager and Manager of the E3 Sustainable Cotton Program from BASF and host of today's program. Today, um, we continue our series and podcast that we're calling Authors and Editors Talk About Textile and Sustainability. I've been really, really excited about this special series, and I know you, our listeners, have as well, because I've heard from a lot of you, uh, whether you've said, hey, you know, when Maxine was on, like, hey, I went out and I bought her book. It was great. Thank you. Or, you know, whether others that have been on and you've been able to go listen to their, uh, see their publication. So this has been a phenomenal, exciting series for me. And I can tell for you um, as our listeners as well. And we've been very excited to introduce very talented people across the whole industry. Um, I'm also joined today by industry consultant, Bob Andeshak. And uh, Bob, I'm assuming everything's going okay in your part of the world and everybody's safe. Everybody is safe. Thank you, Jennifer. Everyone's doing well. We have a nice day here today. And uh, I'm very happy. Uh, I know uh, our guest, Devin, and also yourself, we've had a very busy short week. So um, <laughs> really, really, really look very happy it's Friday. Let's put it that way. Yeah, so. it is. It uh, it has been a short week. And I tell you, it's been kind of crazy. Um, it seems like the shorter the week sometimes. I'm like, my goodness, I've packed two weeks into four days. So um, I'm very much glad today's Friday, too. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, well, awesome. Well, you know, I, it is my pleasure today to introduce um, longtime editor and writer in the cotton industry, Devin Steele. And Devin is a publisher of eTextileCommunications.com. Um, and I met Devin not a couple of few years ago when I first, I think I was brand new in the textile space. And I don't even know if I had even officially gotten my job yet. Um, but I know that, you know, Devin covers many industry events throughout the U.S. and the textile space. Um, and, you know, according to Bob, um, he is kind of he's told me that Devin has kind of perfected the art of being in two places at once. He's had a long career in textiles, trade journalism. Um, but, you know, for some of our listeners, you know, some of this may be new and may be new to e-textile communications and the new space of it. Um, but so I would love to know if you might would give our audience a little bit about your background before we kind of start jumping in and asking some other questions. Uh, sure, Jennifer. Uh, it's great to be with you and Bob today, and I appreciate the invite. I, I really admire the work both of you are doing, especially with this podcast series where you're telling our industry's great stories. And oh yeah, I am still waiting for researchers who cloned Dolly the sheet to clone <laughs> Devin the, De, Devin the, the cup reporter. Man, you're everywhere at once. You are everywhere at once. So well, I've covered three different events in three different states in a, in a week several times. So um, it's it's fun to do that. But just uh, briefly, if you'll indulge me for a minute, I'll go all the way back to high school and just tell you that I fell in love with journalism back then. And I enrolled at NC State in the uh, English department. Go pack, Jennifer. That's right. Um, you know, it's so funny you bring that up, um, <laughs> Devin. I don't know if our listeners or any of our listeners are NC State fans, but we had a recent announcement come out. And I've got to put this little plug in there. Um, a great friend that I used to work with at, um, when I was, you know, prior career before coming to BASF, Adrian Piercy. And he has actually just been named to lead the new plant science initiative at I tell you, it is, it is, you know, 
I was teaching the other night. I was like, you know, once you learn to do that wolf pack sign and it gets in you, you just, it, it stays there forever. <laughs> it just stays it there. Baby. <laughs> well, you'll have to check out some of my pictures that I posted from tech tech steel this week. Uh, oh, awesome. Throwing up the wolf pack sign. <laughs> awesome. Uh, but yeah, I joined the school newspaper, the technician, the first day on campus, and I, I spent practically every day of college life, either in that office or out covering a sporting event, believe it or not. At that time, I was aiming to be a sports writer, and uh, the highlight of my time at State was covering almost every game of NC State's magical run to the national championship in 1983. My interviews with now legendary coach Jim Valvano were, Valvano were the best I ever did in sports writing. And I'll share my best interview in textiles later. Yeah. But, uh, somehow. Well, that's awesome. <laughs> that's, yeah. cool. that's really cool. That's really cool. <laughs> somehow I backed into the textile industry after spending a few years as a sports writer, uh, the last the last in Charlotte, North Carolina, after I got married. But after getting burned out on that, I happened to answer an ad in the Charlotte Observer for an editor's job at Fieldcrest Cannon in Kannapolis, which is sort of a, an outlying town from Charlotte. Um, at the time, it was the largest towel and sheet maker, well, towel maker, and one of the largest sheet makers in the U.S. and the world, really. And it, it really didn't take long before I was hooked on textiles and it was in my blood. Just going into those old weaving plants and, and hearing that sound and smelling that cotton, it was just, you know, gets in your blood. Um, it's kind of reminds me of growing up. My great grandmother worked in, they called it a cotton mill back then, but uh, she would come home smelling like cotton and uh, from board and manufacturing in Goldsboro. And uh, so I I'd had a, a brief taste of it early in life, but uh, <clears throat> I did that for about three years. Um, I joined the company just after NAFTA came along in 94. And uh, at that time, a lot of the commodities producers were, sort of having to rethink things and many of them closed um, as you know retailers and brands began mm -hmm. to chase the needle so to speak in 97 i got caught up in the downsizing but fortunately i was able to move into an editor's position at southern textile news just after that that was based in charlotte and that expanded my view from one company into the larger textile industry I was able to meet many of the main players and travel the country and the world, really chasing those stories and trade shows, conferences, et cetera. But uh, I did that for 12 years. And about the time of the Great Recession, we folded. And I, I went into the corporate world for a little while. But I, the whole time, I really, really missed the textile industry and especially the people. So mm -hmm. I put I put together a business. I had an idea for a digital publication. I think by that time the world was ready for digitization of media, um, and so I I did spent about six months meeting with a lot of the leaders in our industry, asking them if you know if this is a niche a niche that can be filled and uh, would you support it? And it was an overwhelming yes. So 2014 I launched ETC. And uh, it's the best decision I made. But I launched it the week after I moved from Charlotte to Greenville, South Carolina, into a hundred-plus-year-old textile mill, an old J.P. Stevens plant. So it was a lot of hectic uh, activity at that time, but it was fun. Well, yeah, and you know, you think about that story, and I just sat here and 
listen, um, you know, about the way. So, you know, where you started at and finding a, you know, doing the school newspaper, the, you know, and then finding jobs in the observers and the classified as the physical paper. And then now running an online piece is amazing just how much, um, you know, just in your career, everything's changed with that side of the, you know, getting news or where is that? Absolutely. It was sort of like a trajectory right when I joined. So newspapers were beginning to die. The textile industry in the U.S. was beginning to die. So I was like, okay, this is yeah. going to be great. <laughs> <laughs> like, this sounds think, great. <laughs> you had to think differently. You had to think differently. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, we, but, Devin, we, uh, you know, I've, I've followed you from the beginning of ETC. And um, literally, I've been a subscriber for a long time. And your newsletter has gotten, and your online, you know, your website has gotten more and more extensive, and uh, it's really neat. And then when we do bump into each other in the trade, I remember uh, there's a story, uh, you'll like this, Jennifer. Uh, we were in uh, Barcelona for an ITMA show. Maybe, uh -huh. what was that? What was that three or four years ago, Devin? Yeah, 19. And so all of a sudden, uh, I mean, they were the, you know, with the group of guys, and we come walking up and you see Devin coming by with, you know, with like four or five cameras strapped on. Poor guy was just perspiring <laughs> all over the place. He, he, was hus he was hustling. You know, and these, these shows are absolutely massive. So he's running from one end, from one concourse to another and all this back and forth. Hardest working guy I've ever seen do this kind of work. I mean, just, I was, just amazing. Yeah. I was getting about 25,000 to 30,000 steps a day. Um, and, and I, I lost was like, 10 I was pounds. I wondering if you, had your, um, if you were having your uh, watch on to kept the kids. He was in great shape. He was in great shape, too. Just great shape. Yeah. The, the problem with was I would be in Hall 1, and someone would text me, said, I'm in Hall 8, which is like a half mile away, and I have – for instance, the Millican team here. Can you come take a picture? <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I said, well, don't let them leave. I'll be there as quickly as I can. Yeah. So I'll... <laughs> oh, awesome. That's so funny. Is there is there anything in particular you like covering, you know, for ETC? Any topics or I mean, uh that's kind of a tucky a toughie because uh I think, well, you know the passion I have for the industry, particularly in recent weeks as we yep. returned to, to live action. And I cover virtually, well, not virtually anymore, but virtually every textile association event in the U.S., some in the, around the world. And they all provide a good service to our industry and their membership. I, I really enjoy learning about all topics, especially around new innovations and now industry 4.0 and the micro factory and what that would mean for nearshoring. And I thoroughly enjoy interviewing many of the leaders who have helped our industry survive the tough times and, and thrive even to today. Um, and one of those leaders, as I alluded to earlier, was Chuck Hayes. The I don't know if you ever met him, but he was rough around yep. the edges. Sure blue did. Collar, sure blue collar <laughs> worker yep. from New York. Yep. Uh, who rose to the ranks of chairman of uh, technical fabrics producer Guilford Mills in North Carolina. Uh, shortly after China entered the WTO in 2000, Chuck was elected chairman of the American Textile Manufacturers Institute, which is now, of course, the National Textile of, now, National Council of Textile Organizations. So I went to his home to do an interview at the Greensboro Country Club, and I was not ready for what was next. <laughs> this is good. This is good. <laughs> yeah. Well, he was very gracious. He welcomed me into his home. 
we sat down when I asked him one question, it was like pulling a hand grenade. Uh, Chuck had a portable snack table in front of him and he, he just immediately began to launch into a tirade about China complete with a full array of expletives. And he pounded on, he pounded on that poor table almost to death, but it did survive. <laughs> I didn't have to ask like, many questions. Yeah, yeah Jasmine, you guys, guy. journalists, uh, you guys have a way of just knowing that one question to just I get know. everybody going. <laughs> he, he, made, he made my job easy. And that, last, that, that interview lasted about an hour. And afterward, I, I, I said, can, uh, Chuck, can I quote you on that? He, he said, yes, every blanking word. <laughs> <laughs> well, I want to tell Kim, like, I don't know if her interviews are as colorful then. <laughs> I, I, don't know if Kim, I don't know if Kim hits the table like that. Yeah, I, I don't know. know. No, 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 she doesn't. But that was, the, that was the best interview I did in textile, just based on color and candor. And I still have that tape, by the way. Um, but there, there are many others, too, that were very good, you know, uh, most are very generous folks like Duke Kimbrell and but but you won't find anyone more colorful than uh, than Chuck Hayes. That is sure. so funny. Uh, well, you know, Devin, I know that as we've heard, you know, already just you've had a very um, diverse background, diverse career, diverse things. You've seen a lot of it. Um, so I, you know, some of the listeners, I think I've told them here before, I grew up um, south part of North Carolina and just as you said, North Carolina is a very strong textile history. Like that's just what we were built on. And, you know, so when things started changing, you know, you've kind of seen things change and kind of starting to come back full circle. Um, and, you know, things are changing and they're changing extremely fast these days. And so, you know, from your um, perspective and just because of what you're seeing and everything you're seeing, be curious to know what you feel maybe the greatest challenges faced by the industry in the future. Well, um, the biggest challenge I think facing the industry short term is the labor shortage. I hear mm -hmm. tales of woe around that topic almost mm -hmm. every day. Some some companies tell me they they could increase their capacity exponentially if they could just find the employees. Um, you know, of course the the COVID and uh, the the programs, the checks, and everything that were going out hasn't helped any. And people have sort of reassessed what they want to do for the rest of their life during the pandemic. And that's why robotics and automation are becoming increasingly important. And uh, the, I occasionally hear talks about about that and nearshoring, um, the importance of that. But longer, longer term, I think that the push by the brands and the retailers to source a majority of their product offshore, even after COVID, illuminated the need for more regionalized production, especially around PPE and uh, any further burdensome legislation that will hamper the U.S. and the Western Hemisphere. That might be a continued challenge, but that's nothing new that we haven't dealt with before. We've somehow pulled out and uh, pulled out stronger, I think. What's your opinion about reshoring or, or nearshoring, Devin? Well, it's, you know, it's been, it's been in the headlines for a while and I, I, uh, I think it's happening. It's not happening as fast as a lot of people want, but there are many so associations out there, uh, seams and AAPN SPISA, for example, that are connecting a lot of these players that may not know each other. Um, but you know, and, and that I mentioned the micro factory concept and the fast fashion, local for local. 
all those buzzwords that we're hearing these days. Um, you know, if we're moving in the right direction, I just don't think it's happening quickly as people would like. And uh, yeah, go ahead. Oh, no, no, no. Um, go ahead, Bob. No, Jennifer, fine. Go ahead. Oh, no, no, no. Um, I was just going to, you know, it's for me, um, I've really, you know, spent my entire career in the, um, I, I say the upstream, you know, versus the value chain when you talk about the textile space and working with farmers and just the past, you know, two years, I've had a uphill learning curve, just even, you know, everything from the vocabulary of the words that people talk about cotton versus what, you know, we would talk about it on the ag space side of it. Um, you know, and one of the words that we keep hearing buzzword going around is sustainability, um, you know, a definition. And I think if we were to talk to anyone, everybody would have a different opinion or different definition of it. And, you know, I would really be interested, Devin, because you, as you said, you cover a lot of things. You're doing many events, talking to many people, taking many pictures, covering a lot of stories. Um, you know, how how do you feel that maybe the textile the industry is approaching sustainability? And do you think that this is going to be, um, you know, what's that? How is sustainability going to play into the future? Well, sustainability, of course, has become a buzzword, but a very important one, especially in this industry, as we've had to fight a lot of those image problems. And it means different things to different people. But altogether, I think it represents a journey that our industry is on to protect the people and the planet and to change those perceptions. You know, uh, the industry uh, for many years, and it, it was true, was blamed for as one of the being one of the biggest polluters that generated a lot of waste. But I think the industry really latched onto the concept earlier this century. Although, of course, players like Milliken, they embraced sustainability before it was cool. Mm -hmm. uh, but I remember covering an event in 2007, a time when many companies and, and associations were still in survival mode. It was the Synthetic Yarn and Fiber Association, which oh boy. Uh, like yeah, that goes back, yeah, yeah, which like most associations was facing lagging attendance at its meetings. Uh, but so it decided to put together a full day program on sustainability in Charlotte, and the theme was sustainable is attainable, which I actually mm. wrote for them. <laughs> well, that's a good one. Yeah, and it attracted more than 200 people from around the industry, which was about double the attendance from their previous meeting. And I promoted it heavily in Southern Textile News. That meeting showed me um, that really that the industry was realizing the importance of sustainability and was ready to learn more about the topic and figure out how to embrace it. About that same time, Unify in North Carolina was in early stages of reinvented itself from mostly a textured yarn producer to a recycler of plastic bottles, turning them into fiber for apparel and other things. And today, Unify has recycled more than two, two billion bottles, and it, it has an outstanding sustainability and circularity story. That's just one example, but they're, you know, Unify just did their sustainability report this week, and um, I think all the major players are doing that. So everybody's kind of moving in that, that direction. And I'm really pleased to, to report on some of the new initiatives these days around sustainability, particularly the U.S. Cotton Trust Protocol, which offers more transparency for growers, producers, brands, and retailers. And uh, I just continue to see the industry remake itself and become 
greener, leaner, and meaner. Yeah. You know, and, um, you know, Devin, I guess the question I have for you, what do you think the industry can do? Because it seems like in some of these things, it's unfortunately, in some cases, it's been a proactive approach. Um, you know, I mean, a reactive approach versus proactive, almost in the sense of, wait a second, oh my gosh, there's a problem. Oh, yep, let's react to it. Um, you know, and I know we have at BASF with E3, we have, you know, kind of taken a different approach to saying, well, let's see how we can kind of go to market. Let's bring everybody together. Let's all sit down and figure out if we can help some of these, you know, break down silos, kind of do it. But, you know, what do you think are some of the ways or are you seeing some of that maybe change now from instead of being that? reactive um you know from the industry trying to be more proactive in telling you know even if it's more just telling the story of what they're you know they are doing that maybe haven't done it as well as in the past well i'm sorry i failed to mention the e3 obviously that's, uh, that's oh no no no, no, no. Yeah, yeah, no. <laughs> but, but, but yeah i think putting those players together and continuing to push out those messages of why it's important why sustainability is important not for just for for uh, for us, you know, our our image, but really to to help the planet and uh, and people and health and et cetera. And I I think just continue to push out that message and uh, uh, get more people to latch on to the concept. You know, a lot of the OEMs are actually building machinery that uh, accomplish a lot of those goals um, through less water, less waste, less electricity. So they're sort of pushing the industry in that direction. And then the consumer is pushing the industry in that direction, especially the younger set that's, you know, all about that, that may yeah. not want to do business with certain brands or that or retailers that don't have a, a transparent supply chain that embraces those topics. What's your take, on, uh, Devin, on uh, COVID with regard to its impact on the industry? We kind of touched on that before. A little bit with the labor issues and whatnot, but you, do you see COVID having a lasting economic impact on the industry, or is it temporary? Will, will it go away once the uh, pandemic is gone? You know, that's really hard to predict. But there are t tons of stories, uh, many good stories that that I wrote and others wrote while I was holed up for over a year about the industry's pivot into PPE. Um, it it really highlighted the importance of the U.S. textile industry and really the textile industries around the world that did the same thing. But it um, it did keep our employees and our companies running and employed. Um, whether or not PPE production remains part of our repertoire, of course, will depend on how Washington addresses this need. And there are a number of pieces of legislation out there that could bode well for the industry. Of course, every company isn't involved in PPE supplier production, but it would be a plus for many. I think the dire need for PPE helped the industry in many ways get out of their silos and work together, even competitors calling each other. That cooperation, mm -hmm. collaboration that was shown is amazing. I think those relationships that were forged during COVID will remain and you know, that we're all in this together mentality will last. So that's that's a plus. And I, I think it also gave the industry a chance to think, just have time to think, you know, think about new innovations, think about new ways to run their businesses, think about new ways to come together. And, and I think we're beginning to see some of the fruits of that of that now uh, born out or bore out of uh, in the form of new technologies and even capital investments. So I think 
that that's a plus. But um, where we go from here, um, it's anybody's guess. But I, I think we're moving in a good in a good direction. Yeah, and you know, talking about changing and moving and, and you know different things. Um, what are some of the plans that you guys have? Um, you know, for your e textiles communications, or you know, you got any new new up and coming things or new ways or new things you guys are um, looking at doing? Uh, well, first you need to, to make guys singular. <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> hey, and you know what? And it's funny. I should know. You know what? I, and I should very. Um, I can respect that because that's how E three's been for a very long time. Yeah. Um, yeah. One, one girl, you know. So uh, yeah, yeah. I, I um, can understand and respect that. <laughs> well, I've never had any grand scheme of building a media conglomerate, but I have always had aspirations to grow the staff in order to extend our capabilities and in telling our industry stories. Uh, it hadn't happened yet. Um, although there are a few freelance writers who do contribute. Um, but like the industry, I think ETC is lean and hopefully is making a difference. Um, the more we can disseminate how modern, high tech and even cool our industry is, the, the more perception will change. And as many of you have heard um, the phrase, this is not your grandfather's textile industry. And that's so true. And the more we can communicate that out to the masses, the better. That's one reason social media is so important, not only for the purpose of preaching to the choir, but also to reach the general populace and a lot of the legislators and lawmakers that may uh, be working on some kind of piece of legislation that could hurt or help us. But um, I use social media almost daily to spread that good word. Not as much as you do, Bob, but I do try to keep up. <laughs> uh, no, no, you're, you're, you're pretty active, though. You're pretty active. I was going to say, David, I think you have been pretty active. I think you uh, were up half the night trying to get stuff out, hit deadlines. So I'm, uh, if you can find time in there to do that, I'm sure you're uh, doing a lot of good stuff on there. Well, Starbucks loves me for that reason. Because <laughs> <laughs> That's great. But, but, but yeah, I, I do, I do, I would like to add staff at some point, you know, just to, to have the ability to plumb those good stories and expand, you know, as we grow readership, which, you know, now we have 6,200 or I, I should say 6,200 subscribers to the weekly newsletter. And, uh, it's just, uh, it's out there. It's going to happen. Yeah. Oh, wow. That's, uh. That's kind of amazing, Bob. I don't know if you've got your um, you, you and Devin. Y'all going? He's gonna give you a run for his money for your there money. You go. <laughs> exactly, Jennifer. Uh, when I when I when my business first joined Twitter, um, I kept seeing Bob's name out there. Of course, I followed him quickly and realized he was tweeting about every twenty seconds. It seemed like, and uh, <laughs> I remember I remember sending him a direct message about two a.m. I said, are you, do you ever sleep? <laughs> <laughs> and at 2 a.m. Yeah. I responded, <laughs> I hope. <laughs> well, my husband yeah. and I, we swear we'll get emails or we'll get something sometime. And we're like, you know, I swear those people, are, they've got to be setting their emails to go out of that time because there's no way that they're up or either they're waiting to make sure we're asleep so we don't respond. <laughs> <laughs> well, when you have that, uh, when you pack two weeks into four days, like you and I did this week, Jennifer, it's just hard to keep up with everything. 
Um, I also do, you know, in addition to ETC, I just, let me just add that I do social media for the Southern Textile Association for scenes and for the America's Apparel Producers Network, all of which enables me to tell in different ways what our industry is doing. And uh, that, that keeps me busy, but it also keeps me on top of things even better. Yeah, yeah, well, it seems like you are on top of it. And it seems like, um, you know, you have a lot of different ways and outlets and avenues, um, you know, to get your story out there. And, you know, with that, Devin, if any of our listeners would want to, you know, reach you, find, you know, get on your, um, the subscription list for the newsletter or anything else, what is the best way that they should, um, they could reach you? Um, you can, the best way is probably go to the website, E as in electronic textile communications with an S.com and click on subscribe or newsletter at the top and then, or email me at uh, D steel S T E E L E at E textile communications.com. And uh, I think that's the best way. All right. Awesome. Well, Devin, thank you so much for joining us today and taking time out of your always busy schedule. Um, and Bob, you know, thanks again for being here. And um, we'd also like to thank you, our listeners, for joining us and hope that you enjoyed our show. Should you have any questions about the E3 Sustainable Cotton Program, please email me at e3cotton at basf.com. Also, don't forget to visit us on Instagram and Facebook at E3 Sustainable Cotton. Thanks so much and see you next time.